Welcome back to Vintage and Stuff with your host, Drew Heifetz. All right, on today's episode, I have Eric, aka at the College Picker on Instagram. He is a true blue reseller, been doing it for a long time. I've been following him. Uh, and I like what he gets up to. He posts lots of interesting info on his stories, and he's a super funny guy. On today's episode, we actually recorded this before the holidays, but I kind of took a little hiatus and was chilling out, so I didn't get around to posting it, but I'm posting it now. On this episode, we talk about his philosophy about living the debt-free lifestyle. We talk about a crazy Levi's jacket that he found at a yard sale and sold for a mint, more than I've ever sold a Levi's jacket for. And we also talk about Patagonia because we are both fellow Patagoniacs. He actually started a website that he got that Patagonia shut down. Uh, which is kind of crazy. Patagonia actually sent a lawyer to shut his website down. But to learn more about that, you're going to have to listen to the episode. If you listened to the last episode, you heard my new intro. Super stoked on it. It was made by Real Dirt Rich came through. I gave a shout out. If anyone wanted to make me an intro for the podcast, feel free. And Real Dirt Rich on Instagram came through. So, without further ado, let's hear the intro. Hope you liked the intro. Thanks again, Real Dirt Rich. Okay, Happy New Year, everybody. It is well into January 2020. We are officially in the future. How about that? It's kind of crazy. 2020. 20 years ago was the millennium. I can remember where I was on the millennium. I was partying in Whistler at a club called the Alpenglow, which doesn't even exist anymore. Where were you on New Year's 2000? A bunch of you were probably still in diapers, but that's okay. <laughs> anyway, it's 2020. It's crazy. I'm stoked for the new year. I've been chilling out at my parents' house for the... Well, actually, we took a week at my parents' house for Christmas. Then me and the fam went to Euclid, which is near Tofino on the coast of Vancouver Island. Had a really great... Christmas and New Year's with the family, chilling out, um, really just relaxing and getting some good family time in. You know, you really got to do that once in a while. Uh, and I hope you guys had a great holiday too. I really appreciate you guys tuning in once again. And this is going to be a good year for everyone. I can feel it. It is. Um, 
you just got to stay positive. You got to keep working for it. You got to keep working for your dreams. And it's going to be a great year, 2020. Okay, before I get into the episode with, oh, I didn't even mention this. I got to go surfing three times over the holidays. Super pumped on that. I try to get in. Used to do Christmas Eve Hessian sessions. We called it me and my boy Pete Hash, where we were either surfing or skating or snowboarding on Christmas Eve. Didn't go Christmas Eve, but I did get three surf sessions in New Year's week, and uh, the waves were super good. I got to surf some spots I never surfed before, so that was really cool. And yeah, way to start off 2020 right with some good waves. Okay, before we get into the episode with Eric, the college picker, I have some vintage news. A lot of you probably have heard of Rad Vintage from Chicago. He's an OG. He was around for a long time. He was sort of in my generation of vintage heads. He uh, ran his store for a long time, had a website, and used to post funny, funny videos on Instagram. I think he might have a YouTube too. He was hilarious. RJ had a funny uh, British Bulldog or something that he put on his video. Anyway, uh, I haven't spoke to him about it, but I heard that he's closing his store. I wish you all the luck in the future, RJ. We've never met personally, although we have done business. And uh, whatever's going on in your life, I hope it's all good. Okay. Thrift Lord launched a website someone told me to shout out the thrift lord the thrift lord is my homeboy uh we've known each other for a few years now uh i am technically the thrift lord's financial advisor by the way i told thrift lord to get on tiktok go follow him on tiktok and you better follow me on tiktok okay that leads me into this okay the future of social media is moving facebook used to be where everyone hung out and chatted to each other. Then Instagram came along. Then the kids moved off Facebook and went into Instagram. Now, only your parents are still on Facebook and old guys like me. Now, the kids are moving off Instagram and they're getting on TikTok. And this is gonna keep happening with the new cool social media app. So if you wanna stay relevant with the kids and what's going on uh, in the world, on social get yourself on tiktok i know everyone thinks it's just a bunch of kids doing dances but it's evolving it's going to evolve just like instagram evolved away from being an app where all it was was putting filters on cool landscape photos it's going to evolve and it is evolving so get yourself on tiktok go follow myself drew heifetz go i'm going to be doing daily uh daily inspo videos, posting pics, posting whatever. I don't really know yet what I'm going to post, but I'm going to be posting stuff. Go follow me on TikTok. Go follow the Thrift Lord on TikTok and get yourself on TikTok and start posting. The algorithm is set up on TikTok to basically make it super easy to go viral. We got on for Frankie uh, not too long ago, like a couple months ago, and we hit one video that now has half a million views. It bumped us up to like 5,000 followers without really doing anything. It was just like one video just went went viral. It's super easy to go viral. S- figure out what you're gonna do. Start posting on TikTok because mark my words here, it will be as big as Instagram very soon and that's where all the attention is gonna be. Get on TikTok. Okay, back to Thrift Lord. He launched a website. He's doing weekly drops. Go check that out. Also, he has a pop-up in LA on the 10th. 
So check that out. That's Rose Bowl weekend. So let's get into that. I, me and Jesse are coming down for Rose Bowl weekend. As always, booth 3128. Come check us out. Um, yeah, first Rose Bowl of the year. First Rose Bowl of the year. It's good to see what everyone's been up to for the holidays. And uh, talk about all our great New Year's resolutions. What are your New Year's resolutions, guys? I didn't really make any strict resolutions this year. Because uh, I really think, you know, I just i have always and am always going to be working towards uh, up-leveling my life. Up-leveling myself. So I didn't really make any New Year's resolutions. But I will tell you a few things. I said on my last podcast how I was going to take the holidays to, instead of sit around and get fat, actually um, get back on a healthy track. So I did that. I actually did get back on a healthy track. I uh, got back on my good diet for the whole holidays. I even made part of Christmas dinner keto, which was rad. Uh, I hit the gym. I went to surf a bunch. And I'm feeling good coming back from the holidays instead of feeling like hell. Um, I want to post a lot more content. One thing that I'm a little late on, I'm supposed to be dropping my uh, mastermind program for you guys very soon. It was supposed to be January 1st. I'm a little late, but it is coming. If you haven't heard of my vintage mastermind group, please click the link down in the description of this YouTube video. If you're on the, if you're on just listening to the podcast, uh, via audio, please send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you a link to get on my special mailing list because I am going to be dropping my vintage mastermind group in the next month or so. And I don't want anyone to miss out on that. So that's happening in 2020. Um, I'm going to continue to pump out content in 2020. We got big plans for Frankie, um, big plans for personal growth. You know, I just want to keep pushing it. I want to keep um, keep helping people. That's something I learned in 2019 that I really do enjoy helping people. I like spreading the knowledge. That's what this podcast is all about. Uh, so my videos are all about is keep spreading the knowledge, spreading the love. Um, yeah, and keep bigging up the community. If the community grows, we all grow. Okay. Another thing in the vintage news that everyone wants to talk about or everyone's talking about right now is bootleg rap tees. Bootleg versus reprint. Okay, so allegedly there are a lot of reprint rap tees going around. Now, I haven't seen these firsthand and I don't have firsthand experience of being fooled by these rap tees or anything like that. But everyone's talking about it. Now... When you look at the terminology of a bootleg versus a reprint versus uh, fake, it's like a bootleg is an item that is an interpretation of something else. So if, okay, so let's take, for instance, the Gucci crew neck sweatshirt. Somebody printed the Gucci logo on a crew neck sweatshirt. Gucci never officially made that type of garment. So when somebody print, so when those sweatshirts came out in the 80s and 90s, it was a bootleg because somebody had made something that was never, they didn't copy exactly what Gucci had done. They made their own interpretation of it. And that's what a bootleg is. It's your own interpretation of something, but using copyrighted, um, you know, 
copyrighted materials, copyrighted logos. So what's happening now is people are when we when the when the vintage community says bootleg rap t-shirt, what do you think about? You think about those big print loud color rap tees from the 90s, from the era. You don't think it's a bootleg now, although it's not technically um like calling something a bootleg rap tee that was made yesterday isn't technically wrong. It's just the community doesn't use that terminology. So the community would use the term reprint. So here's the issue. There's people putting out reprinted rap tees, calling them bootleg rap tees, and thinking that that's okay because technically they're not lying. They're not lying. But it's confusing everyone and it's confusing the community. So, and they're, they're not putting markings on it or anything. They're not, um, and again, I don't know firsthand. I haven't seen any of them. I don't really know. This is what everyone's talking about. But here's, these are the issues. So I'm going to try to get to the bottom of this. And, you know, the, okay, so example, David, David Meets World out of Denver is putting out um, bootleg rap tees. He's dropping a two, uh, not a Tupac, a Snoop Dogg one coming up now. A super rad print that he's making. Go check that out. And, but he's straight up showing you he's printing it. He's straight up calling it. Well, he's calling it a bootleg still. So it, I could see how it's confusing. He, you know, maybe he should be calling it reprint too. But he's at least showing he's printing them. And there's no gray area that he's, he's telling you this is like my creation of a shirt. But the people who are printing and putting it out there on Vintage Blanks and saying... Also, Dave is not putting it out on Vintage Blanks. So that's super important. And he said... I've heard him comment saying, I don't want to put it out on Vintage Blanks to confuse people. I want them to know this is a reprint. Anyway, so there's people putting them out, confusing people and ripping people off. And then other people are buying them, think they get steals and then upcharging other people. And then it's flooding the market. It's going to be an issue for uh, the whole community because what it's going to do is if the market gets flooded with fakes, people's perception of what's out there is going to change and they're all going to be scared to cop. So if you have, if you have an $800 rap tee and there's fakes floating around of that same rap tee, you know, that person who might've spent 800 bucks probably won't anymore because they're, they're not, or can't feel fully confident that it's authentic. So it's going to drive the market down in my opinion. But again, I don't know. I'll try to get more news on that. Um, yeah. In other news, I'm super bummed out that Australia is on fire. Uh, I've been there a bunch of times. I have a lot of friends there. It's not cool. So if you can, help. Go help. I'm sure there's lots of websites you can donate money to. And yeah, we got to save the planet. We got to save the trees. Just like the Amazon, they are our lungs. They provide us with air. Without them, we have nothing. So we need to get this under control all around the world. Okay, without further ado, let's get into it. My interview with the college picker. We're live, okay. Wait, we're live? We're not live, but we're on. We're recording. You don't edit at all, do you? Uh, it depends, man. Depends how bad you end up. I heard a couple chop outs with Rory. Yeah, there was some things. A couple times I was like, this probably shouldn't be on air. 
<laughs> Only if it's really bad, I'll edit it out. But I'm pretty. I try to make it easy. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah, I'll be just uh, in the middle of shipping some stuff. I uh, sold three laptops, so I was just getting those out. I saw that, dude. You had a good laptop score recently, huh? Yeah, it's been good. It's been really good. What do you end up paying for those things? Um, so one was well, I kind of do it as bundles. So three of them was eighteen hundred bucks. So I guess if you want to break it down, it's like four hundred, four hundred, one thousand. Not bad, man. I just went out yesterday and bought one of my staff a three thousand dollar computer. So that's the thing is that they're they're like three grand base model MacBook Pro fifteen inch, and if you you wait like a year or two, you could grab them for like a third of the price. Yeah, it's good hustle, man. Okay, so we, I don't even know your real name, dude. Oh, my name is Eric, by the way. Nice to meet you, Drew. <laughs> nice to meet you too. Sorry, this is taking so long to get us on the uh, old Skype here, but uh, we're finally on doing it. I'm. Um, I. You can hear me, right? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay. You got the headphones now, so the audio quality I know. is going to be way better. <laughs> I did this last night with someone. It's it's a uh, hundred miles better, man. Um, I feel like you and me uh, have a lot in common, and I feel like there's going to be a lot to talk about here because I feel like I'm, we're on the same page about a lot of stuff. Um, which yeah, is lot, especially like financial philosophy. I noticed that the way you're very mature and you're well, you're just mature in general. So you got that financial philosophy stuff experience down. Um, well, thanks for saying that, but it's only been in the last little while that I've even <laughs> sort of delved into that, which I'm. Excited. But you see the importance of it when you were young, it, how it would have turned out. Big, big time. Yeah. Big time. And that's kind of what I want to like partly educate the young kids on is that they should get on it now, man, because they can they can be set up, you know. Well, they'll be cruising if they do it right. Exactly. But before we get into all that fun stuff, let's talk about Patagonia, man. We sure. are bo- We are both Patagoniacs. Do you use that term? Um, no, <laughs> is that the term? I'm learning all these terms from you. <laughs> that's a, um, that's a term, I, a, I listened to the Rory episode. I learned a couple terms when I listened to that yesterday, like schlepper. I've never heard that before. I was called a schlepper, a junk man, and a garbage person all in one sentence. Okay. We should touch on that before we go any further. Okay. Uh, I told you this on the DMs, but I got mad respect for you. We were just, we didn't know where to call you. Uh, because you you sell everything. Well, I had to look up what a schlepper was. I didn't <laughs> yeah. know what it was, so I looked it up, and it's a Yiddish word for an awkward or stupid person. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I, I was I was misinformed about that the definition of that term. Well, I thought a schlepper. I, I, when I when I use the word schlepping, it's like you're selling something. You're schlepping it. I don't know. I, I was totally off on that on the use of that term. <laughs> uh, my bad. Maybe that's why somebody chewed you out. Yeah. Totally. I don't know. No, it's all good. Ah, uh, that's funny. But so, you're—I mean, obviously you're a reseller, but you're a reseller of anything. You're an oppor- you're opportunist reseller. An opportunist, yeah. Cortana was just talking because I was resetting a, a, a laptop. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm like—I don't really fit. I was telling you this yesterday. I don't really fit in anywhere. Like, there's the Amazon guys that like strictly do Amazon and they just crush it. And there's the vintage guys that just like strictly do vintage and they know like everything about every T-shirt. And then there's the guys that just like sell used clothing from the bins on eBay. There's there's all these like different groups of people, and I'm just kind of like I don't fit in anywhere. But I know a little bit about everything. Yeah, it seems like you know a lot about everything, from my perspective. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> I, I just I have a good relationship with Google. Yeah, you got to have that, man. 
everything we need to know these days. So t tell us your hustle, man. Like, like run us through, first of all, where do you pick and where do you sell? Sure. Um, for the most part right now, I've just been picking from thrift stores and pawn shops and selling on Instagram, eBay, Amazon, Etsy. And do you ever hit the bins? Do you guys have a bins? There's no you? bins here, but I've done bins in the past when I've been in certain cities that have bins. I've done the bin, bins life, been in bins culture a little bit, but not like every day, all day, throw a blanket over my cart thing. Yeah. No. <laughs> Where do you actually live? You're I'm from? in Texas right now, so I'm in between um, Dallas and El Paso. So I, I move around a lot. Like I've only been here for eight months or so, eight, nine months, and um, it's for my wife's work, really. Okay, so your work can move anywhere because you can just hit the thrifts. So. Yeah, and I'm actually a licensed drug dealer, like a pharmacist, and I was working in Arizona and New Mexico over the last couple of years doing like um, government contracts on Indian reservations, so... In the pharmacies, yeah, in the farm, in the the healthcare down there, the wow. clinics and hospitals. So, my wife did that when she was younger. She's a registered far, pharmacist technician, I guess they call it. Okay, so she did contract work in for well, yeah. They totally need technicians everywhere. Well, so. she's from New Zealand. She did it in New Zealand for a long time, and then I guess she became a bit jaded on the industry because she just thought that there was all these older people getting just fed too many drugs and she didn't yep, feel that's right pretty about much it. my perspective on it and that's why i'm not really a that good of a practicing pharmacist because i'm dispensing all these drugs i'm like oh my gosh like these people just need to change their lifestyles totally man yeah i agree um okay cool so how long have you been doing the the resale uh back since 2007 it's kind of where 2007 is where it kind of like the light bulb went off in my head about like market arbitrage and just like you can buy something from one place, bring it to another market and sell it or keep it on the same market and sell it and just take better pictures, better description, better keywords. Yeah. So do you do that? You buy You buy off eBay and then resell back on eBay? I mean, I've done some of that, but what I was mainly doing was buying motorcycles off of Craigslist and then selling them back on Craigslist. Just cleaning them up, fix them up a bit? Clean them up, fix them up, clean the carbs, put plastics on them if somebody dropped them. Just like basic stuff. No, never anything like crazy engine work or transmission work, but just like basic, basic stuff. And like what kind of profit would you turn on something like that? Anywhere from use the bike and then for a couple of years and sell it for same cost, break even, and just the experience of the bike. Or okay. uh, my probably my best flip back in college was about a thousand invested, sold for four. Nice. This is this is like a pro college kid doing this. I wasn't slinging like Harleys and stretched, like nice custom bikes. This was just like basic, like old Hondas and uh, some Jixers, some older Jixers, and nothing crazy. Um, and you mentioned arbitrage. So obviously, I know what this is. I've never done it, but well, you are doing arbitrage. You're buying from one place and you're putting it on another platform like or you're putting it well okay market. yeah that's, that's true that, that's arbitrage at its core but for some reason I, I when i think of arbitrage i think of the people who are like scanning books throwing them on yeah, amazon right it's just that that's just yeah their type of arbitrage retail arbitrage i guess you would call that because you're buying it from retail and then you're selling it yeah. on amazon so explain how that all works like for people that wouldn't have any intro <laughs> to, the, to that world to the people that have like yeah have no idea about this stuff yeah it's a whole different world so everyone's buys off Amazon, right? Yeah. And you just, it's so simple. You click a button and you can buy anything. You don't really do price research. You just want like convenience. 
So you'll buy um, a toy for Christmas. A lot of times the stores will be already sold out of that toy, but Amazon will have it in stock and Amazon itself will have sold out of that toy. But people that have like maybe noticed that that toy was going to be popular, went and bought them up at Target, sent them to Amazon, set their price 100% above MSRP. So eventually that popularity just sells out, sells out, price keeps climbing, 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 hits your price, you sell out. And you just doubled the MS. You basically sold it for double MSRP, and hopefully you got your margins after fees and everything to where you're clearing twenty, thirty percent, maybe. And just, uh, do you have to ship it to the person or an Amazon, or do you have to ship it to you Amazon? Would to, you would send it to Amazon for the most part. Amazon will will uh, warehouse your stuff. They have warehouses all over the country, and then they'll deliver it Prime. So people don't even know that they're buying from third-party sellers because of the buy box. Like when you're on Amazon, you just hit buy. You don't even see it. And Amazon has it in the warehouse connected to your name. Like if I have an Amazon account, it'd be connected to Eric and they'll buy it and it'll just like pull from my account. They have it at the warehouse already and it's a new product. So it's like, yeah, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy. As long as it doesn't get dinged around in the warehouse. So, but then people are also like going and say in one area there, something will be on sale and they can cop it and they just like will literally go in and check the Amazon price and be like, yeah, I can cop this on half price sale. Boom. They're selling on Amazon for this much. So if it's a popular product with great reviews and good brand awareness and yeah, anything from groceries to personal products. So have you toys. done this? Have you played this game? You do this? Oh, I, yeah. I, I was really a lot bigger into it back in 2015, I think was probably when I went balls to the wall. Uh, the new Ninja Turtles live action came out, like the reboot. Yeah. And uh, the Ninja Turtle toys were so hot that year. And Frozen. Frozen toys were like four times, five times the price. Like the dresses that are $18 at Walmart were selling for like 60 bucks. Wow. It's crazy. That's wild, man. Um, yeah, that's uh, – I follow Gary V. He's all about that. He's all about the, the yard sailing and – I've never done. I've never sold anything on Amazon. I've never touched it. I now have an Amazon affiliate account where like nice. people can go buy because yeah, yeah. I, I post books that I like on there, so yeah, people can go copy totally. those. My and it's like nothing to somebody else to use your link to give you like a three percent commission, like a coffee or whatever. It's it's cool to it 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 takes no effort off of the consumer other than clicking through your link. Totally, it's not like it costs them anymore. So originally, I was thinking that they had to buy the product that I told them to buy, but it turns out no, they it, have to buy anything. Yeah, it cookies them for 30, uh, 24 hours, I think, something like that. Yeah, so people are buying like random car parts and all these things, and I'm like, boom, just make commission. <laughs> Sick. Yeah, it's it's really cool that, to to get support from uh, people that like your stuff that way. So let's get into Patagonia. So you had. You started a website, from what I understand, where you were going to archive Patagonia catalogs, correct? Yeah. If you if you go to vintagepatagonia.com, you'll see it redirects to their Warnware now. That's crazy. <laughs> excellent. So did, did excellent you, domain name. Excellent domain name. Did you have to redirect it, or did they take it away from you? They, they took it from me. They took it from Essentially. you through legal action. Okay, so let's get to the starter. So you started the website that was cataloging the catalogs, just images. It was an idea, and I I didn't do it right. I didn't ask them for permission, which I probably should have at some point, even an email or a letter or something. I just I saw another website, and I was like, I really like what this guy's doing, Uh, vintagetrek.com. He, like, archives a bunch of information about old Trek brochures and 
their um, their frame serial numbering, like all this like really cool stuff about it. And it's just like it's him. It's like a third party dude who just did it for for passion and just for a resource for everybody. So I was like, okay, I have this stack of forty. 43 or 45 old vintage Patagonia magazines. It's really interesting to like identify the old stuff and like know exactly what it was, like the description, the technical specs, like what it was called, all the colorways it came in, the original MSRP, like all that. It's pretty interesting to know like it's that it's, kind it's of- super good information, man, and it's it's valuable information. You know, we often get old catalogs I don't really have any Patagonia ones I wish, but I get catalogs from all kinds of sportswear and workwear companies and some of the really old stuff. Like that stuff's worth good money because it's the only reference points some people have on certain things, right? Yeah, and it's cool. You get the name of the item and then the people can sell it for a little bit more if you know the actual name of the item. Or it's cool to see like how much it's appreciated since MSRP or how much it's depreciated or held its value since like $1990 or whatever. Like yeah. I just thought it was cool. Plus and you can see the evolution of like their designs through the years, yeah. the yeah. color palettes, how they change, all how these different things. This jacket, like they've had this jacket since like 93, they introduced this and they continue to make it to today. Like things like that, In- it, like little weird things that you would notice and thought it would be cool. So and you know how their style coding is. It's amazing to where you can, it would be so easy to build an algorithm with scanned magazines and a database in order to pull everything eventually. So it, it would have just been super easy and super amazing if it was done. But so I had bought the domain. Um, I started scanning the magazines and was putting it into like a, a, a an SQL database where, wherever I had to start to, to create this database. And I had just posted up a picture of the 1997 magazine and just like um i i said we're sewing this site together like as like a pun like the construction yeah and i just had one magazine like fully scanned in there that i could reference people to when i got questions about it i could be like oh i think i because i don't know i was getting a lot of questions on like 1997 stuff so i had uploaded the 1997 magazine and i just had it See, there's no ads on this site. There's no, I was not profiting off it at all. And I got, um, I believe that there's a lawyer in California that he's an IP lawyer that works with like Apple and Patagonia and every, he's like, he's a big shot lawyer, dude. And he, I think he has a web crawler that just looks for trademarked things. And then he'll get like a notification, like, look what we found. Then he contacts, this is all theory, he contacts the company and says, we found this, do you want us to take care of it? And charges them, I don't know, 500 to to $1,000 an hour. Yeah, it makes and total that, sense, man. Yeah, that's like, my theory. It's like a, it's ba- 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 it's a, it's it's a like, backdoor way of finding this guy's own work for himself, you know? But yeah. weird. And I mean, he's got to feed his family, he's got to protect businesses. I mean, I don't think I was really threatening anything of, I don't know, anything other than trying to add value to a community. But I got like a letter saying I'm a cyber squatter and damages. And I was just like, uh, I was just, I don't know what, I, what, the, what the heck any of this is. I, this is my first time doing domain stuff. And yeah, I'm a cyber I, I, you know, you're a cyber squatter. It's so crazy that, that, that it came to that. I was kind of shocked when I, I don't know how I first started following you, maybe through rally roots or something. Because I have like interest in the reseller community, obviously, because I am a reseller, even though it's, I'm strictly vintage. But when I started following you, I saw that, or maybe I saw somebody post about that issue 
that I started following you. But my take on this whole issue is that was way uncalled for. And when somebody puts out something like a catalog, um, that catalog then becomes public property. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be uh, able to I, I don't post know about, about that. it. I mean. I, I did a lot of research in copyright law and this dude is like a copyright lawyer and I talk to him a lot of times on the or and he's an IP intellectual property intellectual property lawyer. So and I talked to him on the phone a couple times cordially a couple times like not very cordially. Um, but I would always ask him like, well, what could I do? Could I use part of the magazine? Could I use the, any like any of it? And he's like, well, it's all in context. Blah, 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 blah. Like. You got to look at the picture of a whole. You just can't blatantly copy the whole thing and put it online. And it's it's so there is a copyright to it. So, it's but then right. how? Okay, so it it but then it becomes a bigger issue of like what? So everything is copyright essentially. Then like pretty much, yeah. I, I, Anything, you know, if you're any, putting a t-shirt, a picture of a t-shirt online, um, that if you're putting a picture of a t-shirt online that has art on it. That that would be the context of like that shirt, not blatantly copying word for word like every picture of a magazine. Like it, it's hard to equalize, equivocate exactly those two instances. It it'd be more like somebody wrote a book and then you just copied all the pages of the book and put it online. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Um, either way, there's, there's I'm gray uh, areas. Apparently, I was on the wrong side of the gray area, and I still since it. I don't know. It's I really I wish Patagonia would just like release all their old magazines. It would look that'd be an awesome drive traffic to their website and be an awesome resource. Yeah, completely, man. Because they have all the PDFs somewhere. I know it. They're just way too organized to not. I think um, you know. I guaranteed people in Japan have published stuff like in in some. Of oh, those I've seen it. The Second Street Patagonia issue. Like there is an, a Patagonia specific issue of Second Street where in Japan they made a magazine that they sold with like Patagonia labels in it and like all that interesting stuff that vintage people and resellers like to know between label differences and this this and that. And they sold that. And I talked to the lawyer about that, and he's like, "Yeah." Well, then, I don't know, we talked about yeah, something else. I mean, it's funny when you start to bring in other people's situations, nobody cares. It's like, you know, a bootlegger can be like, well, this guy's bootlegging it too, but they're <laughs> like, whatever, we don't care about that guy, we're busting you right now, so you can't really argue that, you know? Um, where did you get the catalogs, man? How did you acquire these? Oh, it's a secret, man. What? It's a secret. <laughs> well, there obviously must no, be more out there. Sources. Yeah, you can find them at the bins, you can find them at... Uh, library not probably not library sales garage sales around where patagonia is popular you know yeah like, they were uh, free catalogs i you're you're probably subscribed to their 20, oh yeah they're out there for 18, sure but it's just like catalog. who they're kept free it, they send them who, who didn't recycle them and throw them away and that's the thing right yeah they surface once in a while and it's cool um so you want to sell them or what <laughs> <laughs> no I, i'm gonna hold on to them for a little bit <laughs> All right, good call. Okay, so what what about Patagonia? Is it that that you like? Like you're pretty into the brand. I love their boring. I love their warranty, the ironclad warranty. I yeah. love it. They hold stand by their stuff forever. Uh, breakdown of material. Like I sent them a, a jammed zipper on a jacket for the life of me. I could not get the zipper open, and they just took out the zipper and put a new zipper in for no charge. 
Yeah, that's super sick. And their Warnware program where they travel around with that bus and then fix people's stuff. Yeah, the fixing people's the Warn the Warnware van in Japan and that they go across the United States and Europe is is pretty sick. Um, they're, they're more Earth conscious. They are still like a mega corporation, but they're a little bit more Earth conscious than a lot of the other guys. They try to give you a, a, a small time feel and yeah, and just I guess humble beginnings and cool styles. Yeah, they. Um, so speaking of cool styles, do you have a favorite piece? Do you have a lot? Uh, I like the Wave Cinchilla Snap Tee. That's one I would love to get my hands on. My buddy found one in oh the, the, the Wave Print. Yeah, the Wave Print Snap yeah, that's Tee. A, that's a great one. Uh, it's, it's like a two hundred or two hundred fifty dollar piece. That yeah. would be cool to have. Uh, and just, just anything geometric's nice. Um, the just the the normal nylon bomber jackets. It was like my daily driver for my jacket forever. Um, what's the most you've ever sold a patty piece for? Ooh, good question. Uh, actually, recently, three fifty or three twenty-five. Uh, let me pull it up. It's a good question. What about you? What's the, the most you've sold a piece for? Uh, shit. Everything that I, everything that's worth good money, I just keep now. But um, <laughs> I've definitely, yeah, I've been in like the two to three hundred range many, many times to our Japanese clients. Um. Oh, I mean, no, probably like upwards of like four, I guess. For you know, I, before I started collecting it, Canadian I was dollars, U.S. dollars, U.S. dollars, because usually all the high end stuff we sell in L.A. at the Rose Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think we probably sold some of the reverse reverse pile fleeces, like the big tag seventies ones, for like four hundred. Yeah, I haven't got my hands on one of those. Just three fifteen, and you'd be surprised. Like it wasn't anything crazy. Um, it was a uh, retro X deep pile. Where is it? Oh, can you see it? Yeah, yeah, totally. That's uh, those have gone up in value. That one's weird because it doesn't have the square pocket. Yeah, it's it's um, for cardigan something. There's something different in the magazines when I was looking at them. They they still called it a retro X jacket, but there was something else in the title that I forget. So what year that, is that one from? Do you remember? That one was fall '94. Oatmeal colorway. Yeah, oatmeal's the best. Like oatmeal yeah. sells way more value than the other colorways for sure. It was a large. I fit a medium, but I wore it a couple times. It just was too baggy, and I was like, oh, "My wife doesn't like it. I'm gonna sell it." <laughs> Had it up for a crazy amount of money and went to France. Oh, nice. Okay. Um, speaking of Patagonia being environmental, uh, there's been a lot of, um, well, fleece in general right now in fashion is blown up. Of course, you've probably seen like every company is putting out fleeces. I don't know. I mean, I don't follow fashion that close enough. So, um, okay, yeah, well, because but, I'm yeah. in the I'm in the vintage biz and I see it, and I you know we're designing for Frankie and all this stuff. I see it. Every company has put out fleeces, and there's been so many companies that have directly copied the Retro X with the pocket, right? Oh yeah, I've seen that at the thrift. I've seen so many copies of the Retro X. I've seen so many copies of just a Cinchilla Snap Tee. Totally. It's like it's yeah. out there, and like. And then there's been all this news coming out lately about how fleece is one of the worst uh, fabrics for the environment because it's 100% polyester fabricated in chemical plants and 100% stuff. 100% polyester, <laughs> it's made of made of chemicals and it sheds, man. Have you heard of all the stuff about microplastics in the water? I've heard that stuff, yeah. So basically when you wash your clothes, all the synthetic anything synthetic made of plastic sheds like really tiny tiny fibers into the water source. It's insane that our washing machines don't have 
a filter for the water. We have a, we have a filter for like the lint, but yeah. it doesn't filter the water. So the water gets flushed out with all these microplastics in it. And fleece is like the worst for that, which is crazy because you associate fleece with Patagonia, which is like an environmental thing. And then yeah. the fleece is actually one of the worst uh, fabrics for the planet. And it's dude, you're calling them out on it right now. I, I am, uh, but I, I still love Patagonia. And I, I'm not saying that they did anything wrong. And the, the good thing about Patagonia is they'll tell you straight up that they aren't sustainable. Like they've had advertising campaigns like that saying like, don't buy our fleece. Don't, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it sucks that fleece has become so popular now that it's like everywhere. Everyone's washing in their machines and it's all this microplastic going into the planet. Okay, that's super negative downer subject, okay? <laughs> but there's something we can all do to stop that is that you can get these bags to wash your clothes in. There's one that's out called the Guppy Friend and it's it's a microplastic uh, filter. So you put your clothes in the bag to wash it. So essentially we should all be washing all our synthetic clothes in this bag. Guppy friend. I'm like on Amazon right now looking yeah. at this. It was sold out for a long time. Patagonia sold it, even though it wasn't their brand. Um, me and a friend, of my, a friend of mine are developing a similar thing because I think they need to be more affordable and more readily available for people if we're going to create change around this issue because to spend $40 for a bag US yeah. is a lot of money and a lot of people who don't have much income aren't going to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just going to shed their micro particles into the water and nobody even knows because it, the, it, i mean big, i didn't know that until you told me about it's it, not so being yeah. talked about that much so um anyway i thought i would uh, use this patagonia talk to let everybody know about that and wear your fleeces until you spill coffee on them don't wash it after everywhere 100 percent. and buy secondhand fleece like there's all it, everyone's buy going out and fleece, yes. buying new fleeces that look like a fucking retro x the retro x is going to last 10 times longer and they're gonna have a, a guarantee on it if it ever fails they're gonna fix it or replace it so exactly yeah <laughs> so shout out patagonia for that um okay so i want to get into i see you post a lot about the, your debt-free lifestyle yeah i always try to push people like there's more to selling than just selling like the whole picture of having having like an amazing life is being sustainable with your finances like we can all sell but can we actually save can we put our money in places where our money actually makes us money or are we going to be going to Goodwill every day, like flipping stuff and just making like trading our time for money on this one-to-one -one scale or eventually are you going to be paid for owning a piece of a company or, or just retirement in general, you know? Yeah. You got to think about it. Uh, you tr so you're right. Trading time for money is, is essentially a job. And if you have a business where, you don't get to step away and all you're doing is trading your time for money. You basically created yourself your own job. Yeah, you're your own job, your own boss. Um, but you're not really necessarily building wealth unless you're building a business that you can sell off or something in the future and building equity in your business. But yeah, getting debt free. So most people are negative. Getting debt free is like breaking even and then you can start building wealth. Like it's really hard to go from having debt to rich or wealth and able to do things and help more people without getting to that debt-free point. So it's like climbing the ladder from debt into debt freedom is the first step of like essentially wealth building. So how was your journey into this and how did you like get on this so vibe? I got, I got all the debt from school, which so it's good debt, I guess. I have a degree and uh, a pretty, uh, pretty good paying degree if I use it. And 
I only got, I think, 60... It was either 60 or 66,000 that I took out in loans. Okay. And I was making minimum payments for three or four years, and I eventually logged in. Because if you don't look at it, you just kind of... It's all funny money. Like, you don't... It means nothing. You're just making auto minimum payments, whatever it's... But I actually looked at it and was like, I, I owe more than what I took out after all these minimum payments. Like, how is this possible at such a low interest rate? It was like five, I think I'm average like five and a half percent or something. But it wasn't, it wasn't going down. And I was like, I need to do something about this and just started like throwing everything at it, everything at it. And so how long did it take you to get rid of that debt? It was like 13 months, something like that. I was making a lot of money at the time. I was working a contract, flipping stuff on ebay amazon everything uh living in my van at times so it was just like all cylinders firing i was super motivated to do it i like made a uh like a, a public proclamation to youtube and, and i didn't i wasn't really po- um uh, that much that popping on instagram at the time i wasn't really using it and um, but i just had like made these promises to the world that i was going to do this that's rad dude isn't yeah. that isn't that like it seems so strange, but that shit totally works. Oh, accountability for sure. You need to tell as many people what you want to do as possible because it holds you accountable. It's like you don't want to be a liar. Totally, man. It really makes you fucking get your ass in gear. I'm all about that, dude. And I'm also all about being debt free. I'm probably yeah. – I mean do you believe good debt versus bad debt? Like like yeah, having a debt for your house? Debt, like, yeah, that that's better debt. Um, but – over buying a car that you don't need would be considered bad debt if you need a car and have to have a car then getting a modest car could be good debt if that car is getting you to places that are making you money totally uh, um at a low interest rate because 10 percent for a car loan ain't a good car loan you just got no, predator you got predatored and you can and get people- you can get a lot of car loans at zero interest man you can yeah, get new cars get at zero interest. interest if you have good credit and and uh maybe a I don't know if it's a good down. I've never bought a car new, dude. That, I'm, I'm, I'm so secondhand. It drives my wife crazy. <laughs> um, I've only recently bought a, a car. I had to get a commuter car, so I bought a VW TDI right before they nice. went, yeah, the yeah, scandal yeah. happened. You know, remember like a whole TDI scandal? Dieselgate. Yeah, Dieselgate. Diesel dude. It was crazy. <laughs> so I actually like, and but I will say those cars have crazy gas mileage because I commute yes, quite far. Exactly. And, and like I paid the... nothing in diesel. Then the scandal happened. Then they paid they me. They paid you back for yeah, it. Yeah, they paid me out, man. I made like twelve grand back in credits, but I was like, I don't want to give this car up because I'm never going to get anything as good on gas. Yeah. So like, and then they had the upgrades for like the computer system and all that shit. But which model that uh, did you get? I got a TDI Golf, like uh, the hatch or the Sportback. The Sportback. So it's nice. bigger. The Sportback's the bigger one, right? Yeah, it's yeah. sedan or the um, the station wagon. Yeah. S- yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah. it's good for me. I can put stuff in it, but also it's more for my commuter car. I also have a, like an old truck that I use for like shit kicker around town. Um, secondhand, that was like that was only like a few grand. And then my wife has a minivan. We got the minivan interest free because it was new, and they just like just, you can find specials out there, man. Yeah, it's a lot. A lot of times in like December, they're trying to get rid of the stuff on the lot, or just if you have good credit and they'll they'll zero percent finance you but i mean i'm still about buying the cars cash or getting something like a tdi a tdi would be good because they're like now i was considering the the two liter diesels for my next car because i got my van totaled i got rear-ended as soon as i got back to texas i got rear-ended 
got paid out. I was like, I want to either get a TDI or we'll get another Prius. And I was looking at the TDIs and I just know Priuses. I found a good deal on a Prius. My wife liked the Prius and the gas mileage is pretty similar, yeah, except for you don't have to put diesel in. So yeah. I'm getting high, high forties Nice. and I just use regular gas and they're super easy to work on. The whole hybrid system is just amazing. So but I was looking at it. That was like my secondary choice was a sport wagon. I love them, man. And I think they, they kind of went up in value. Torque, a bit. It, yeah. the, the thing is, is those are the last year. 2015 is the last year that VW made diesel cars in the U S so that 2015 model is actually going to, cause that's why I was looking at them. They're going to retain their value better than just normal gasoline cars Yeah, because the people that are diesel heads that like diesel cars are going to, want the newest model of what was released before they cut the cord and there's so many of them around like there's deals to be had you kept your car and took the credit a lot of people just said like i don't want this car all this scandal and they they just got the car uh vw got the car back now they're sitting on lots they're still sitting on lots with like twenty thousand miles fifteen thousand miles these cars from 2009 to 2015 yeah it's crazy deals um yeah, like I've it's 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 insane. I was driving a Ford Explorer before that, which is like the worst car on gas, and then going to the diesel is like insane. I pay like fifty bucks a week, and I drive like I was paying eight hundred bucks a week with the Ford Explorer. I mean, eight hundred bucks a month. Now I'm paying like two hundred bucks a month, and I drive even more. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So about the debt again. So obviously, for people that don't understand. When you're in debt, you're paying interest, right? What, what you remember the interest rate on your on your student loan? It, it varied. So there was like super low ones that were around like three point seven, and then there were six and a half. Because I went to school for three years undergraduate and then four years graduate school, so it was like seven years total accumulating various amounts of interest with whatever policies changing. Yeah. So how much did your $66,000 turn into if you would have kept paying minimum payments? I I have that actually. Um, I ended up paying, I think, 88 or 80 something. And it would have been a lot more if you kept on the, the slow. Yeah. Track. Oh, yeah. It would have it would have been over 100 for sure. And it's just not just the money, but having the weight on your shoulder of like, you have to pay this, you have to do it. Like you, be, you become the slave to your lender. It's so true. Uh, I totally, total paid 82,000 when I only took out 69,000. That's crazy. So yeah, you're, and, and I love that. I love that mentality. It is freeing to be, to be yeah. out of debt. And There's this like weight lift off your shoulders that you can't really put a monetary value on. And you just, you feel lighter as a person. You feel like in your like I broke even like I'm not even wealthy yet I just broke even and you just feel happy more confident and just more aware of finances I guess so what's your next step are you gonna go into buy a house are you trying oh to buy a house? We're, yeah we're, we're gonna be buying a house we've been saving for down payment uh, eventually we're gonna buy a house I'm so like afraid of the the market everyone says it's high it's not a good time to buy even in Texas but, it's high I mean we might not be in Texas forever we don't I I don't, and that's another reason I don't know where I'm exactly going to be. Uh, all my family's in Florida. We're in Texas, so it's like, do we buy one here? Do we buy one there? But I, I definitely want to get a multifamily and do the whole house hacking um, before I get like a home home by myself, because we don't have any children right now. So we totally could live in a smaller square footage and less bedroom, and then we'll grow into a a, a family. 
home and then use that multi um, multi-family house hacking property just as like a equity building in a income rentals and stuff. Yeah, that's the plan. Good plan. So, I think. Uh, do you do you ever listen to Rich Dad Poor Dad Robert Kiyosaki stuff? Um, I might have. I don't think I ever read his book. I'm a, I'm familiar with Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad Poor Dad, the whole principles. But I think I like started reading his book, and I was like, I, I was past that already. I was like, oh, okay, I'm already you get financially. The, you get this, yeah. yeah. I get I get assets, liabilities. Like I already got all that, so I yeah. just put the put the book down. But yeah, it's a, a pretty good financial eye-opener if you've never well one thing that's i think is really good is he talks about assets versus liability like you just said but he considers your home to be a liability not an asset because your home is costing you money it's not actually making you money an asset needs to make you money so unless you're unless you're cash flowing your home with excess rental units or something your house is actually a liability Although most Americans and most Canadians and most people out there would say, if you ask them, homeowners, they'd say their house is their biggest asset. Yeah. Well, it's more like a forced savings account, which is better than paying rent. Totally even better. If losing money on it. Yeah. So, so if you're paying to your apartment complex over 10 years and they get $250,000 or you're paying yourself over 10 years and you get $250,000 in equity, you might lose overall, but you're going to have something rather than nothing if you stay in an apartment. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously a huge bonus to have a house. And back to assets liabilities too, it's like a lot of people think their job, well, you build a, you build a company. A, a company is an asset to you if it makes you money, if it doesn't require you to be around, if it requires you to be there all the time, and it's sucking all your time, like you said, trading your time for money, then essentially it's just a job and it's not really an asset. An asset is something that will make you money without requiring- Like hands off. Yeah. <laughs> like, like a hand- piece of Apple stock. Totally. So like, yeah, <laughs> stocks that are producing money are a great asset. You know, pro- cash flow properties are a great asset a business that like like a franchise business that you don't have to be there for that yep. just gives you a paycheck every month is great asset um i bought my house five years ago it was my first property um it had a suite in it i had to do some renos but we ended up like my mortgage is like 1900 i get 1200 dollars for my suite so my out of pocket is only 700 bucks where when I was renting before that, I was paying like twenty two hundred just in rent. Is it a separate, uh, like entry and metered electricity for your suite? It's not separate metered, but it's separate entrance. I built like okay. a side entrance with like their own little yard and yeah. So you're house hacking yourself? Oh, fully, dude. Yeah, we did. Oh, no, that's awesome. And yeah. I did my own rentals. Like I'm, I love being hands on it. Cause yeah, same here. Like I'm sweat equity totally. Like get dirty, do the. DIY YouTube video, figure it out, make mistakes along the way. Dude, I fully did a crazy full house reno, 100% YouTube. That's like, awesome. It's all on there. If I you hope you gave him thumbs up. <laughs> Yo, I gave mad good, mad good comments, mad good thumbs up. Um, yeah, so basically, I'm I'm with you on this, man. I think I think you're on the right track. I think more people need to get into this mentality of uh, debt free get woke get woke of your get finances woke. get woke of buying stuff secondhand i know you're pushing like secondhand fashion but even like beyond the secondhand fashion like computers normally they depreciate so much 
you buy it the next it's just like a car on like a tiny little level you pay so much msrp plus tax the next year it's worth 40 percent less the next year 30 per like 30 percent less that whatever and then eventually it kind of like tapers off but you can find stuff that has already depreciated and that's already like money in your pocket so this is usually a liability i bought it under market value becomes an asset i can use it i can sell it and break even i could get it to somebody that that needs a computer and make money off of it so it's like just instant money in your pocket if you buy anything secondhand instant money yeah you know my dad used to always say he always said the money is made in the buy this is one of his quotes that i stuck with me it's like Sure, your end price is a hundred bucks, and you can go out and pay fifty. But if you can get it for thirty, you just made an extra twenty bucks. If you can get it for twenty-five, you just made an extra five bucks. All day. I should have listened to that. At the pawn shop yesterday, a guy was the guy I was talking to was like, "You can have that computer for two hundred. And I was like, "I'll give you four hundred." Just... <laughs> Did you actually pay him four hundred? Yeah, I gave him four hundred. I was it was I sold the computer already for eight hundred and fifty dollars. It's like that's awesome, dude. I was like, dude. I'm I'm not gonna rip you off like that. Like I'll give you 400. I'll give you guys whatever you got cost into it, and then I know you're gonna hook me up with more deals in the future. So just give me that cost. Like I'm I'm you're, good. Well, you're paying it forward, and you're like you're banking on that 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 guy's gonna be with you for a while and hook you yeah. up. Oh yeah, he's awesome. We were talking about Rolexes in, in the future next time, and it's gonna be good. I'm I'm, I'm hoping to get my first Rolly from him. Secondhand, depreciated, something that's gonna be classic and only appreciate in value. Nice. You, do you, you know anything about vintage Rolex? Or? No, not at all. No. That is Dang. not. That is not my market. It's I'm, vintage, dude. It's vintage. It's swag. true. I mean, I wish I did. I don't know anything about it, but I know do you like know somebody who knows about it. Uh, I think I do. Yeah, my friend okay. Corey's for on that. Why you want you want to get into the game of buying vintage Rolexes? I want to know more than I know right now. I want to know a little bit enough to be to get dangerous at like a yard sale or something. Yeah, totally. Basic authentication stuff, basic like cla- classic pieces versus like that's not going to hold its value because there's some watches you can buy at retail that go up the next year because it's not produced anymore. Like I want to know why and I want to figure out how to do it. Um, speaking of knowing enough and kn- knowing things about everything because you're that's what your game is. You're you're basically trying to know enough about everything to make money wherever you go, right? Yeah, we get into the jacket. What's that? We get into the jacket. No, no. Well, I do want to talk about that, but it's more about like, what's your mental? Like, do you try to learn everything about everything, or do you try to learn just enough about everything that you can retain all that information? Because me personally, my brain can't learn. Like, I, I, I basically over all these years of learning so much about clothes, I've realized that like, I just need to know enough. I need to know enough that not to leave something behind that it like, I should be maybe looking into this more, but I don't need to know about every band t-shirt or every band that's on a t-shirt because I can't retain all that fucking info. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what's your like game plan about like, how do you go about? So take that, but just spread it out to like every product in production. Yeah. I'd like to be at that level, but eventually I kind of get like OCD obsessive about researching intricacies of things and figuring out the why and then just going deep, like down the rabbit hole. So like you'll be like this boot. Okay, it's going for this on eBay, but like why this model is doing this well. Yeah, and like why did this and... like where did this company come from? Like who owns this company? Who are the sister companies? Are they like a small town? company or are they like a mega corporate company owned by samsonite like everything 
I just go crazy. <laughs> okay, so is it traded on the American stock market? It's, are they a Canadian company? Are they in Japan? Like, goes nuts. Give us your top five brands, any kind of products. Top five brands that you like to find. Apple. Okay. That again, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking electronics. Uh, we could say for boots, like Red Wings. Red Wings are good for sandals. Chacos, Chacos are amazing. Um, they're not vin. Well, there are some vintage ones. They've been around since the '90s. Um, dang, this is like right on the spot. I'm trying to give good ones, and then old Levi's denim. <laughs> so those are things you'll never. If you find any of those or something from any of those brands, you're never leaving it behind. It just depends on the price and the item. I mean, I could I leave MacBooks behind all the time. Yeah, Apple I guess products. they could be priced out often. Yeah, you're you're priced out, especially at a pawn shop. The pawn shops are trying to get market price, or sometimes even more than eBay. Just sorry, yeah. sorry for using eBay as the standard market price, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's definitely a good reference for a lot of people. If you're not a super vintage head, and you you know from experience like eBay is a pretty good a reference price to get a ballpark idea and at least like um, a ceiling like you you could say I could get at least this on eBay I'll sell it to you for 20 30 40% less like it's a decent reference point and when you when you buy something and you list it on eBay are you expecting to get top or are you happy with like just making a good margin for yourself I try to, get top. I try to push the market up I'm bad at that so like right now, like I have no idea, but do you have a lot? I don't even know what your eBay is called. What's your eBay? Uh, I have an eBay and an Etsy. The eBay, you have to find it. I, I don't like to give it out because okay. it's like, it's so easy to find the amount of information that I post. If you have any eBay like search detective work at all, like I make people do the detective work to find it, but I only have like 200 items up. Like I don't have that much stuff. And does that take a lot of space in your house? We live in a one bedroom right now. I have some stuff in Florida, but um, not really, especially when it's clothing. Clothing files like really nicely. So, how much of that two hundred would you say is clothing? Uh, at least sixty percent, maybe seventy. Okay. Yeah, hot shoes. Um. So let's get into the Levi's jacket then. Is that your best score ever to date? Uh. Yeah, until I flip a car or a house or something, I would say yeah. Especially Roy from a dollar fifty for sure. That's what it cost you. Yeah, I got into it for a dollar fifty. Okay, let's hear the story. Where'd you find it? What it was? Everything. Okay. <laughs> um, I was in Arizona working a pharmacy contract. I went to a yard sale on a whim. Somebody invited me to go uh, work out at a gym that was like two hours away. So we started driving. There was a yard sale sign. He's like, hey, you want to stop? I was like, uh, not really. It looks like one of those perma signs. You know those yard sales? Oh, are like, dude. They do you it. roll up and there's nothing there? Or like, it, Well, they're just, they do it every weekend. And they're like the, 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 the people that are always permanently yard sailing. Like they always have their yard sale out. And it's just always garbage or something. I was just thinking it was one of those. But we turned the corner. It was another sign. I was like, all right, let's stop. We stopped. Flipping through the clothing rack. Bam. Biggie. Levi's dark beautiful indigo denim grabbed it uh asked the lady how much are the jackets not how much is this levi's jacket i, I how much are the jackets uh a dollar fifty i was like all right well i found a couple pairs of nice men's dress shoes as well grabbed them and then i think i got a cat trap also because we were trying to catch a feral cat that was messing with our cats at the time i caught a cat trap or i bought a cat trap for five Random. bucks too and then uh yeah went to go work out and just had this jacket in a car that could have gotten broken into while we were so working out. But did you know 
what it was, or were you just like, this is a big E, I know it's good? I know, I knew enough. I knew, knew yeah, I knew enough, just big E, denim, it was old. Uh, I didn't know it was a type two blanket lined or whatever that it, that was from the early 50s. I didn't know any of that, but I knew it was like, this is at least going to be like a grand, at least. Yeah, so you, so you knew it was big E, that's enough to take it, but you didn't oh, know, yeah. you, didn't, you didn't know the model. I didn't know it was a type two or okay. blanket called five one seven XX or jerky tag, all this stuff that I get to learn in the process. Yeah, totally. So for people, the vintage heads out there, it's a, obviously you said it's a type two. It was super dark, like dead stock. Oh, it's never, like, washed. never washed. Yeah, it was, it was raw blanket lined, which is a little bit more rare. And then what size was it? Oh, uh, 42, I think, which is, Good size. Uh, it went to Japan, you said, right, Nian? And I have homie's picture on it. I told him I was like, dude, you gotta buy, you gotta send me a picture after you buy this. That's so rad for a dollar fifty. So obviously, let's go. I just want to shed some light into the Levi's. There's there's the type Throw one. Picture up. The YouTube people. There's oh, yeah. the picture. So yeah, so that's type two, and the way you tell type two is the two pockets, the pleats. The type one the has the pleats with the single pocket. There's actually a few versions of a Type 1. There's one with like the one pocket with the flap over it. You can't see what I'm saying, but it has the flap like that one. And then you can get an older Type 1 that's just a pocket with no flap. And then there's like different war versions and stuff of the Type 1. And then basically... Or they use different hardware for the the, yeah, the scarcity of iron during the war and yeah, stuff. Yeah, like there's the donut button one that uh, has the hollow button. And then there's the solid button one that's like a later one. And then so it goes type one, type two, and then type three, which is basically looks like the jacket we see today that yeah. still produces. Bees down to the taper, yeah. down to the waist. Yeah. And Once you it, know, you know. Now I know. So. Totally. It's it's good knowledge to have, man. Um, but again, it's like just knowing enough. You knew it was Big E. You're like, I'm taking this regardless. So that's oh, the kind of thing. You just have to know sometimes that you're not leaving it behind and then and you it, can figure it out. Yeah. I, I knew enough to get it, and then I had enough experience as a as a merchant to do the research, to, to Google is my friend, and to really analyze the market. I think I the skill came in when I analyzed the market more so than just buying it. Like anyone could just say, "Oh, that's a bi- that's a biggie, grab it, bam, a dollar fifty. Of course, like, anyone's gonna buy that. There's no risk. If I would have had to buy it for a grand, that would have been a lot of skill to sell it to buy it for a grand and flip it for. 5700 would be i would say that's a skill move buy it for a dollar 50 there's like no skill involved in that but i did have to do a lot of market research um and i did i had some tactics to kind of to to weed out the people that were trying to flip it because i got like two offers immediately when i posted it up so you yeah 5700 us that's crazy man that's that's i don't think i've ever sold the type 2 for that much money although i've never had one in that pristine condition um, usually ours are going in the thousand to two thousand dollar range if they're nice and clean. It's it's crazy with Levi's and cer- certain vintage items like d- denim in general, Hawaiian shirts. Um, those are the two where I find the prices can vary so much depending on like condition, condition. color, size, yeah. condition, condition, <laughs> craziness. Yeah, and, and that's like, I, I I could find maybe three or four available on the internet when I was looking. Uh, Rakuten had one that was in similar condition. Uh, eBay had some trash ones up, and then uh, mine was the best out of all of them. Like the thing looked like the tags were just popped off. 
Yeah, that's wild, man. So congrats to you for getting so much money. Yeah. Yeah, I, I listed it without the measurements because I didn't want a resell. Like, I want I didn't want the, the resellers. Well, sorry. I wanted to figure out if it was a buyer or a reseller who was messaging me because a buyer would want to know the measurements. A reseller would just want to get it, like, quick. Totally. So That's an interesting way to weed yeah, them out. I I've never heard that I had, technique. Yeah, I had an offer for three, like within a week from two different places in California. And then you waited it out for how long for the 57? Uh, about four months maybe. Yeah. And what did you put it at? Uh, I actually originally had it, I think at just like four. I put it at four and then I got immediate offers for three and I was like, okay, something, something is, is off. And then I, I went back and looked at like condition and saw that there was one on Rakuten for, I want to say five or six, and then I put it up to seven, just because I knew someone's gonna they're they're gonna offer you. Yeah, hundred percent. What's what's, what's Rakuten? You don't know Rakuten? Oh, really? No. It's a it's a vintage marketplace. It's like a, a vintage eBay. Uh, sorry, it's a Japanese marketplace. It's like a Japanese eBay kind of. It's okay. called Rakuten. R A K U T E N. Um, Is it big? In Japan, yeah. So can you get it with a translator? Yeah, Google Translate. Um, usually in Japan, they use a lot of American, uh, the same keywords that we use. Like if you look up old Patagonia pieces, they'll pop up on Rakuten. Um, but it gives you just an idea of what the market looks like more over there where they don't have to pay import taxes on it and stuff because it's already a lot of them are already in Japan. Yeah. So just it gives it's just the whole overall picture. Like when you have something where there's only a couple of them available in the whole world, you want to figure out the the whole picture. Yeah, totally. I mean, I see I don't even go that deep into research, man. Like I I'm sure someone's told me about that in the past, but um, I personally have never been on that. Which is crazy and I'm probably going to go on now. Right, we 10. Good, good uh, value bomb for everyone out there. Go check out Rakuten. Yeah, plug Rakuten. They now are Ebates. Ebates was bought by Rakuten, so now Ebates is Rakuten. They call it Rakuten Cashback or something. And what is what is Ebates, man? I don't even know what that is. <laughs> Ebates, it's like a cashback. Oh, I know. So, they have like commercials yeah, for it. Yeah, they have commercials for it. Basically, it's an Amazon affiliate, and they do like affiliates with like every company, and then you buy through their link, and they give you like the three percent, and then they keep the one or two percent, kind of thing. It's a business built off of affiliate marketing through Amazon. Well, Ebates, you you know how you have an Amazon affiliate for yeah. all the listeners that are ever buying anything that you need to use Drew's Amazon affiliate link Get to support it. The podcast. Link in the description. Yeah, the link in the description. If you're buying anything on Amazon, it doesn't cost you anything. It'll like hook him up with like a little coffee amount of money, so you buy a coffee in your honor. But anyways, Ebates is like that, but on a business scale where they're like advertising it to come use our link. That's such a. But not just for Amazon, a, for everything. Yeah, it's, but it's, it's because genius. they're sharing. They're sharing that percent, that four, four to six percent that they get back with the buyer, so it gives the buyer an incentive. Yeah, it's strangely successful. Um, crazy, crazy, crazy. There's so many ways to make a buck out there on the internet, man. Yeah, especially so, they buy Rakuten, so now they're the dude's probably rolling in it. 
Um, you're so so back to financial freedom and all this good stuff. You invest money. You're an investor. I yeah, I have some money uh, tied up in some uh, some equities. So, what's your <laughs> advice about getting into investing? Okay, that's a good question because I get that question on Instagram a lot. People message me. They say, "What app do you use to trade, and do you use Robinhood?" Which are both things you do not need to worry about before getting into investing. The first thing that people need to do is contribute to their Roth IRA. They need to go to whoever they bank with, Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, I don't know where else, Bank of America. You just go in there, say, I want to open a Roth IRA. And if it's not free, go to Vanguard or Fidelity and get one for free because it should be free. And you can make a maximum contribution. I think it's six grand a year now. And that is a tax shelter where you can buy stocks because buying stocks is the hype, but you got to do it within this tax shelter before you even think about opening a normal brokerage account. Before you do a Robin Hood or anything, you need to do that tax shelter thing. Totally. And for Canadians out there, we call those accounts uh, TFSA, a tax-free savings account. There's a couple of ver- that out before you think about any hype stuff. Yeah, because who wants to go make a million bucks in a in an account where you're going to pay 40 percent tax, or maybe fifty yeah. percent tax? It's built, yeah, building your foundation. So once you have it in that account, you can tell it what to do. You can say, I want to go into an index fund that follows weed stocks. I want to go into an index fund that follows self-driving cars. I want to go into an index fund that follows the S&P 500. I want to go into the index fund that follows the entire stock market. Like you have your levels of safety to invest that. And that's your foundation. A lot of people just want to do like safe S&P 500 index funds, which over the last 50 years, like averages over 10% return. So that's like your safest 10% on your money is just invest in S&P 500 index funds, max contribute your IRA. But you should still be diversifying into like a few different index funds instead of putting all your money into one index fund, just from my experience. But yeah, you can index fund, there's utilities for people that are always going to have to pay their electric bills and gas bills and everything. There's index funds for everything. So you can diverse it. You can put a quarter of it into here, quarter of it into there, whatever. And, or you can even ask your bank for financial advice because they will tell it to you. They'll probably take charge, uh, charge a commission on it or something, but they're pretty much just going to buy you these index funds anyways. One thing I will say though, is when your bank is going to tell you advice, they're going to try to get you into uh, mutual funds. Okay, yeah. Which is a no good thing because you pay super high fees. That's yep. why the index funds, in my eyes and from what I've researched, is way better because the fees are way lower. The fees seem super small, like 1%, 2%, 3% on the mutual funds. But over time, like over your lifetime of investing, that could be like hundreds of thousands of dollars that you've yep. lost now. You know, and who doesn't want 100, 200 more thousand dollars when they retire? Come on. Yeah, I don't, I really don't mess with the mutual funds. Uh, it's index funds and mostly Apple stock for me. So you're like, as far as your single stocks, you're mainly in Apple. The largest holdings in Apple, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, any other uh, tips or things you want to get into or that that Roth IRA, man? That's that's literally step number one. If you can't open that account, like you have no business opening a Robinhood. No no business opening anything. Like just. Look into what a Roth IRA is, how it works, how it can save you and make you a ton of money in tax savings over 
your lifetime. It's a long-term game. Like not don't go after short-term hype. Go over like the long-term gain. Yeah. So that's another good point is yeah, if you're not going to monitor your shit, if you're not going to be right on it all the time, you're better off going in with the index funds that has like a slow growth but a steady growth. Yeah. And they could go down, but they're eventually going to go back up if the American economy doesn't crash and it's like you're investing in American economy. 100% and the American economy will crash. <laughs> and then it'll go back up. Then it'll go back up. Exactly. It, it's like it's we're on a we're overdue for a crash if you look at the cycles. You got to look at history. It's like 2008 was a crash. There was the dot com crash of 2000, 1999-2000 or 2001. Every 8 10 years there's a crash, but it always goes back up and it goes up way past where it was before. Yeah. What people do is they get fucking freaked out. They crash, they pull sell all their, at the bottom. They sell at the bottom, lose all their money. Whereas if they waited like a year or two, they'd be up past where they started. Life is good again. And con- yeah, another thing is consistency. So if you don't want to have to think about it, you can just have that $6,000, $6,000 a year. And then over every two months, just buy this index fund. No matter what the price is, just buy that in- index fund. Just buy that index fund. Yeah, like That's an automatic. The- You're talking about yeah. automatic buy. Either automatic or just you have it ingrained into your habits. You're just like, I'm going to contribute 2000 and it's going to buy this index fund no matter the price. And over time, that is a guaranteed guaranteed wealth-building millionaire uh, habit to be able to do. But it's over the 30-year, 40-year long term. Yeah, because like at, the stock's gonna dip, it's gonna go up, it's gonna dip. Yeah, and you're gonna your get the buy, your buying is averaging, right? So that is a super good way to do it. Have you have you read uh, "I Will Teach You to Be Rich"? I have not. That's another sick book. He runs over like a foolproof plan about exactly that, like setting yourself up so you're automatically buying uh, certain things, so your diversified portfolio is just automatically getting withdrawn from your account and and uh, and buying what you need. You know, one tip that I always tell people, it's like say everyone everyone's big excuse is like I can't save, I can't afford to save any money, right? And you're like, Well, okay, fine. But everyone can afford to save something, even if it's like fucking ten bucks a week or twenty bucks a week. That's the Starbucks principle. It's like, where are you spending five dollars a week? Are you getting a bang from the dang grocery store every day? Are you going to Starbucks? Are you buying that latte? Yeah. freaking energy drinks whatever like you can cut cigarettes cut something and for me what really changed it is setting up the automatic withdrawal so you set up a savings account you have your checking account mm-hmm. you set up an automatic withdrawal whatever you can afford that you're not going to worry about and it just comes out comes out comes out because who wants to sit there and have to go in and transfer when you when the physical act of going and doing the transfer makes yeah. you like worry about your money don't do it just set it up automatically six months down the track look at that savings and you're like shit i saved all this money now i can actually go and open that roth ira and do all the stuff but like the set it and forget it mentality for me has worked the best because that way i can concentrate on my business concentrate on my life and the finances are just taken care of yeah you don't even see it you don't miss it you're so used to it it's like that money that money goes first it's like yeah yeah someone really wants to talk to you with that phone oh man i know sorry dude Hey, Zach, can you grab this? Um, we're just being terrible on customer service right now here at the office. There, There is a book that's for free on YouTube. It's an audio book that I think was a, at first a published book called The Automatic Millionaire that goes over those principles. It's like automation, automation. Autom- go to your bank. Tell them I want this to be pulled from this account at this time. 
to automatically go into the here and it just they'll do it it's just an easy transaction for them to do just move money around it's all automation yeah and like most of the time on your online banking you could set it all up yourself where you don't even have or to you can do it yourself if, you, yeah. if your bank allows you to do that yeah um so i'm all about that i'm not where i need to be on it but i'm getting there and Dude, I, so good your podcast is vintage and stuff and that and stuff just like opens it up to like anything <laughs> so smart open-ended I just want to help people, man. Like that's kind of my vibe right now. I want people to to be successful. I think like this is the stuff they don't teach you in school, man, that they should be, you know? So, and stuff. What do you want to talk about, dude? You got any topics you want to get into? Uh, yeah. Well, I wanted to say congrats on the F1 cut and so. That's really awesome that oh, you were able you, to that the launch and launch party stuff i wish i was more west coasty i probably would have been able to go to something like that but yeah i'm um texan and usually east coast in florida a lot but I'll, i think i'm gonna make it out to california next year i, I think i'm gonna make rounds some people in north california and southern california i have some friends sweet so if you're around i've never done the rose bowl so that would be an experience Come check so. it out i definitely recommend it to all resellers at some point to check it it's it it's super cool it's eye-opener i've learned a lot from it and i've been doing it for so long but um it's like i guess a gathering of everybody man everybody in the vintage scenes there usually at some that's point cool. so yeah that's cool so i can go there and they'll be like oh you're the schlepper, <laughs> you're, the ne schlepper you're never gonna let this one live down i swear i didn't know the right definition of that word um yes maybe so man <sighs> so i don't you 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 were an alcohol vegan for a while and you're getting back on it you said I'm on being a vegan. Oh, so alcohol vegan. That means I don't drink. Yeah, sober Sally. Yeah, well, I you, you said yeah. you broke it. Well, I broke park. it, man. I broke it. Yeah, no, I just had that one night, and I was like, "Fuck this!" The next day, even the day, like even still today, I'm still like cloudy, man. I don't know what it is. I don't. I wonder if it's like certain types of alcohol that make me more cloudy than other types of alcohol. Well. The thing is, if you cut it out completely, the cloud won't be there for sure, 100%. Yeah, so I'm just going to do but, that. Yeah, no, I, I've been an alcohol vegan since 2015 or uh, 2016, I think. Hun, when was that wedding where I got blasted? Was that December 2015? Yeah, I think it was December Dang, 2015. Dude, you've done like solid years, man. Yeah, I'm about four, almost four years in, and I haven't yet had a drink since. That's crazy. So It really has been uh, an accelerator. It's been an accelerator in my life. It has. Just you never feel wake up feeling like crap. You can hit the gym. You have energy. Just you you make things happen. You save money too. That's a uh, one of the reasons I stopped was to save money. Well, I had many reasons, but that was one of them. Save money. Like your burger at the the bar is usually like eight bucks. You get a beer and then it's sixteen plus tip twenty bucks. So it cut it down to like only being ten bucks. So I was like, all right, let's do that and pay off our student loans. Cut alcohol out. It's gone. Yeah, dude. I can't even like I haven't even looked at the money I've saved, but it's you're having like a six pack every couple days, you know, and then on, more on the weekends. It's like, dude, it adds up so fast. The calories too. It's, it's money and calories. The social aspect, it's it's good, but I mean, I've still been all right to go out to bars and places and just been not drinking. You have to get a water in your hand and just tell people you have to have a reason why you're not drinking. Otherwise, it gets really socially awkward. So what's so your reason? What do you? It's tell either people? to save money. I, I say it's to save money. Um, I let them know that it's something that I've kind of become based off of living on the Indian reservation because I've literally seen people die from alcohol um, abuse. So when I'm on the res talking to somebody about drinking, 
I can't be drinking myself. That's just hypocritical. It's like, yeah, you need to stop drinking. You have a problem, but I can do it socially. I just want to be like, dude, I don't drink at all. It's changed my life. I have a personal testimony about it. Maybe you should try it. Yeah, that's that's so true, man. It is such a weird subject. Like you say, you're talking to someone about it, yet like you you look at the magazine rack and there's like alcohol well, ads, or you look at like the shelf and it's alcohol. You like yeah, TV it, alcohol. It, it's everywhere. And then there's the other thing you just say, oh, it's my dietary restriction. Everyone has one. So this is my dietary restriction so I can fit in. You know, everyone's a vegan or a gluten free or a carnivore or a keto and I'm an alcohol vegan. I just don't drink alcohol. That's my dietary restriction. Okay. It makes me jump through. I windows. never I never thought about my reasoning or my my what yeah, do I say? You to have people? to have a reason. Otherwise, it just gets like socially unacceptable, which is sad because it should just be like your personal choice. It's so true, man. And I, I find like. I'm better in socials. Like after you get over the initial hurdle, the initial hurdle is like they say three weeks till the alcohol is like out of your system. But then like your your brain, I think, really becomes clear at like three months. And once you get past that, like you could go out and have a good time and fucking party without boozing and partying, yeah. you know, essentially. Exactly. And you can it's you're actually quicker. Your wits are about you better. You're funnier. It's just like. It's. I think it's a much better scenario. It's and like purity of pure fun, I guess, more so than like cloudy fun. I don't know. It, it's true, man. So yeah, I, I drank twice since August. And it's just 1st. safer too, because it's 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 really dangerous if you got in a situation where you were having to drive or something. Which when you're when you're drunk, you usually make decisions that you regret. And I just was like, well, I don't want to make any more regretful decisions, so I'm just not going to drink anymore. It's just so that simple. It's gonna. Most of my regretful decisions have been when I'm drunk. So just don't drink. There, problem solved. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find too. It makes me so self-conscious. Like something about drinking and like the aftermath of like drinking, how it affects my brain. It makes me so fucking self-conscious. And I'm like, this sucks. I don't want to be self-conscious. I want to like do this podcast. And like, I don't want to f- second guess doing this podcast about like what i'm talking i don't know it just made me like so in my head about shit where i was like i don't want to you in my think head. That, that that's from the alcohol like I, yeah 100 percent. because when wow. i'm not drinking it's like i'm just like fuck it i'm doing this i'm doing that i don't care what people i just I because care. usually it's the other way it's like when you drink you get this confidence well you get that you- when you're actually drinking but then like once the once the actual drunk is gone then you're just like in this fog of like i would always uh, i don't know man it didn't it made me super self-conscious. No, I listened to your whole spiel about yeah. it, and I was like, it, it can be different for any, everybody. For me, it was like financial decisions. It was te- like testimony to other people to, to tell them this is what happened to me. It really has accelerated my life and fitness and clarity and like work ethic. So this is what happened to me. I, I noticed that maybe you might have a problem with it. Like if you just cut back or tried this, it might help, like be able to help for you too. And I And like I told you, I've seen people die from it. Like yellow in the skin liver cirrhosis liver failure die that's next level man yeah so i also saw that you went actual vegan yeah for sure <laughs> yeah, you didn't last very long dude and you're you're not a fan of the veganism are you I went three i went three weeks and i got sick but it could have just been the holidays and kissing babies and stuff so and then you're like you you had like a protein deficiency. You're talking all this yeah, crap. Yeah, and... said there's like a vegan flu or a keto flu or something that you get if you like change your diet so drastically. 
So I don't know. It could have been that. I think I lost weight, got sick, just didn't feel good. And it was just too restricting. I, I'm already having to like force myself to eat, like think about eating as it is. Cause I'm always like all over the place trying to do stuff to where I don't need any restrictions on it. I need it to be just like as easy as possible. So you don't, you know, have you ever done keto? No, I've never done the keto thing. Yeah. Um, that more restrictions is going to be less calories for me and I need to put on weight. Like I'm at 167 pounds right now. I need to get back up to like 175. I want to get up to like 180 eventually. So I need to like not restrict. Yeah, true enough. I wish I had that problem, man. How old are you? I'm 31. 31. Metabolism is going to start slowing pretty soon, man. Stay in the everyone says it doesn't i think i think too much i think my brain burns calories just like overthinking you seem to me like someone who has a high metabolism you're like a dude you're like a go 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 eh i'm go 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 but i'm uh, i mean i can chill 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 just just sit around and watch i don't know i watched aliens on my dvd player the other day the movie i've never seen before like the the original huh the original aliens yeah the original alien without the s yeah yeah. Good movie, I was man. testing a DVD player combo that I bought at Goodwill. Uh, that movie for... scared the shit out of me when I was a kid. The original one? Yeah. <laughs> the graphics are so bad, but yeah, I could see that. Well, the graphics were good at the time, man. It was like, that was what was happening. Like, when it, when it flies across the screen, it's like, there's like no movement. It just pulls it across the screen. <laughs> Comes like out of the that, guy's chest. Yeah, the alien coming out of the guy's chest. It's gross. So, um... What else? Anything? Any other stuff we should talk about? Um, yeah. So, um, no, we won't go there. Where are we going? Well, I don't even. I I just saw memes. But did Trump actually? Is Trump gone? Is Trump impeached? So impeachment. It. <laughs> I I just saw something on uh, somebody's Instagram today. They said they hate resellers and vintage people who talk about politics. But if we're just defining it, I guess it's it's all good. Um, so impeachment. To actually remove him from office, it has to do Senate and the House, and the Senate's a Republican majority, so it, it, he's never going to get removed from office. It's just whatever pro- progressive to get to the next step, but it's never gonna. He'll never be removed from office. He'll never be removed from office. No. But but what about the House voted to to bring it to the Senate, and then so, the Senate vote a majority. Okay. He'll just stay in office. What about uh, the president that got impeached, Monica Lewinsky scandal? Um, I, I I was a kid back then, so I probably went to Senate, and then the Senate majority did Clinton get removed from office? I don't yeah, even know. I believe he did. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Crazy. I, was, I, was, it, I don't. I was young. I don't know. I was. I should know more about this, but I don't. You're Canadian, right? Yeah, I'm Canadian, but I'm actually. Du- I'm, actually I'm dual, man. My uh, my dad's from New Hampshire. Oh, dual. So yeah, I can live in the states. I'm pretty stoked. It, you get to see the free health care and the not free health care. The only time I've lived in the States was living in Vermont when I was like six. Oh, no, I was like 17, 18. Uh, I liked it out there. I mean, I love the yeah. States, but I'm in the States all the time. I, I was thinking about moving to California for a while. Yeah, I love the States too. I've never been to Canada. You got to get up here, man. But you've, been... you've, you've done a lot of traveling. You're a world I've done traveler. a lot of traveling, but not to the the countries connected to the united states come on man i think i crossed the juarez once a couple of years ago and that was it and then never been to canada um all right man well i thank you for coming on the show we're gonna wrap it it's an hour and 15 minutes Ooh, it's gonna be a good one um 
Do I get to shout out some people that got Hell yeah, it? dude. Shout- oh, yeah, shout it out. Dude, The pe- it was your challenge. The people that get you into the game, right? That was my challenge. By the way, while you're talking about this, if you have a challenge you want to give on the show, I'm all for it. Ooh, challenge. My challenge would be buy something secondhand that's not vintage. Okay, good challenge, man. Buy something secondhand. Because you told me you're like, I just bought a 15-inch MacBook Pro retail right before we got on. So are you challenging me personally or are you just challenging Challenge everybody? Everybody, buy something secondhand that you normally wouldn't buy secondhand. If it's like a pot, a pan, a spoon, like just sanitize it and use it. Totally. Like, That's anything. a wicked challenge. Anything. And then uh, send us pictures of the cool shit you buy secondhand. Yeah, we want to see it. Tag it on Instagram and I'll definitely post um, it to my yeah, that, that's a good challenge. I think so many vintage sellers are caught up in it actually being vintage. I've always been on the other end where I'm like... Sustainable. I, sustainable for sure. Also, like, if it's cool, what? there's lots of cool shit that's, like, made last year, you know? You can yeah. go buy that secondhand. Why not? Yeah. Um, shout out uh, shout out, Mr. Paul Can, too. He is really big about, like, making things that aren't hyped, like, popular or just give creating a style where something wasn't before like i really like him for that um i don't know i've been following him for a long time and he's been doing that and i noticed that i don't know if there's other guys that do that but he'll really like take something that might have not been cool and just throw it on his website and some kid will buy it be super happy with it yeah so i kind of gave that challenge recently too i was like Start posting what you like versus what you yeah. think everyone else likes and what's cool because you might just be able to make it cool or or bring it to somebody who's never seen it or whatever. Um, Put a paint, you, it, paint it a different picture, show a different – like if it's a certain colorway, be like, oh, it's this colorway. Yeah, he, he just does does excellent with his work. I really, so, I'm a big fan of his business model. It's really cool. Have you met Paul Cantu? I have. I had, I had lunch with him in Houston a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago. Really? Just did you reach out and say, "Hey, let's hang out"? No, well, I've been following him since he's had like two thousand subscribers. Like, he commented on one of my videos a long time ago and was like, "Dude, that's some." It was my Macklemore video. I did like a parody, like Macklemore dance when that when that song came out. Like a bunch of people sent it to me and was like, "This song uh, uh, made me think of you." Dude, so I, I swear I got so yeah, many of those. You messages. got the same thing, right? <laughs> so I did like a parody of it, just like dancing around being silly. I was actually drunk at the time. I slammed three beers and filmed a video. So he commented on that video and I was like, I checked out his YouTube channel. I was like, this dude's got like a lot of talent, like with his video editing and his hustle, like he's going to do really well. And he's just been growing ever since. I remember he blew up into like 60,000 subscribers and he was like flipping out and it was, it's just been growth ever since. Like he really does a lot for the the thrift community. Yeah. Like awareness. He, he is... Awareness wise to like the younger generation. Like he, he, he crushes it. And he's good. He's good so on I, camera, I man. Him. He's great. Yeah, I DM'd him, and then he was like, sure, man, we'll grab lunch or something. So, uh, so nice guy. You like him? You guys have a good lunch? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's cool. He's a cool dude. He's he's a smart businessman. He really is. Sorry, one sec. What up? It's not ready till later. Oh. They said four. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, now I gotta edit that out. No. Um, okay, so get into your get into your shout out of who got you in the vintage game. All right, I'm not. I don't. I don't know if you guys know, but Soul Fruit, Soul Food SF, Soul Food San Fran. From I know that back, I know that account. I think yeah. Yes. Yeah, so way back in the day, his YouTube videos were definitely inspirational. 
um i wasn't big on instagram at all so it was all like youtube people um soul fruit soul soul food sf soul food san fran it's like a mouthful i don't really say the name a lot but i don't even know his real name but yeah uh, i used to love watching his vintage haul videos and uh i was on google at one point and i ran into this website you might have heard of it it's called f is in frank <laughs> so i was like scrolling through this website and i saw these vintage all this vintage clothes this business I was like, this is a really, really, really cool. This guy like owns his own website and sells his stuff. Like he's not using eBay. That's really, really cool. And I think at the time there was maybe like an about us or meet the people. And it was like, you guys had pickers on there, like bios of a picker. Like there were chicks that like went around the U S and like picked stuff for you guys. And it had like their bios on it. I was like, well, that would be awesome to be like a picker for this company. No way, dude. That's so crazy. Ah, yeah. oh, dude, that's uh, that's good to hear. We were, you know, I remember lo- I remember the day we launched our website. We were sitting in a bar in Vancouver, me and my brother. My brother was instrumental. Jesse, shout out Jesse Heifetz. He was instrumental in doing the website. And I was kind of like, I wanted to do it, but I was like, I, was, I wasn't sure how it was going to go versus like, because we were doing eBay before that, right? We were doing tons of eBay before that. But right away, it was like it took off because it was like you you get it's about the aesthetic of it, about the shopping experience of it when you're on someone else's website and you're looking through just that type of product you want to see, you know, and it became has a different feel than eBay. eBay has like a, a flea markety feel and your own website, you get to curate it to whatever you want, you know. Yeah. And we became kind of a guide for a lot of people learning about vintage at the time. Yeah, I remember I scrolling through. Lot. I think from you guys is where I was learning about like old polo stuff. I was like, "What? Like that's because when I grew up, I wasn't into any of this. I was like in a small retirement town in Florida. Like we didn't have the exposure to people that like lived in New York City, lived in Vancouver. I didn't know what Patagonia was until I was in college. Like I just didn't have the exposure. Yeah, that's wild, man. Uh, well, thanks for the shout out, dude. <laughs> dude. I remember. I remember. I don't see the about page like with the profiles on the website anymore do you remember at some point yeah was that? for sure i'm not dude. just making up a memory like no I no, remember, no we gotta we gotta put more I work into there that, being was... women saying that they like specifically were called like pickers or or they traveled to find you guys stuff yeah like, we I, still I, have I our picking stuff. team and we... yeah it was picking team i think is what it was it was like meet our picking team and it had like a bunch of chicks like wearing overalls or leopard print or something like with their bios <laughs> on it and this yes. was probably 2012 2012 maybe 2013 maybe 2013 um we've had great great pickers over the years man we still have great pickers and some of them are still with us (coughs) we have a team of like six people sometimes up to six people Um, i was thinking about like payroll i was like how do they keep these guys on payroll dude our payroll is crazy bro picking for them fucking gotta hustle man you gotta make that money (laughs) gotta make payroll i wish i had more time to like spend on the websites now like we used to well we're gonna do that we're actually got a lot of plans for frankie in the new year we're gonna do like uh we want to do like a proper vlog for frankie like the ins and outs of the business yeah you are you gonna get look go look with like a blogger writer specifically that like really knows what they're doing yeah like, well we for sure for that but also like i got a production company who's gonna do all the filming oh, and like proper oh you're work. going big yeah, like this guy's worked because Vancouver is like the Hollywood of the North, but there's a yeah, lot of yeah, people, yeah. lot of people in film here. So I got, yeah, I got somebody good. I just want, it, but I want it to be like organic and like telling the story. I don't. It's more about the story than anything else, you know. About like what we do, how we do it, 
making the clothes, upcycling. There's all these things that people don't really know how much work goes into it and about what we're doing. And it's like, it's hard to, I mean, it's not hard to tell the story. You just have to put the effort into actually tell the story, you know? So yeah, that's the big 2020 plans. Yeah. Oh, one more shout out for everyone that's watching or listening or whatever. Go over to iTunes, find the podcast vintage and stuff and give it a five star because if you've made it this far, you're definitely going to go in there, leave a nice comment. It, it really will help with the podcast. It really, really My will. So man. Go yes. drop a five star on iTunes. Find the podcast. Give them a five star review. I know it's the best. It's the best way to say thanks to content creators is just getting like a thumbs up, nice comment, or a five star. It's very true. I was, so, on, I was on there today and looking. There's only a couple reviews and there's hundreds of people listening to this podcast. Help me out, guys. Give me a five star. So any last words? Oh, just thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Uh, hope the audio quality is pretty good on this one. The one I just listened to sounded like a, uh, a telephone conversation. Yeah, the I one hope. you just dropped, it sounded like a phone call. I hope this one comes out okay. It's weird. I did a whole episode with Slobby Robbie, and we had to can it because it was reverbed. Oh, no. He was pissed, and it kind of sucked because it was a good episode. He dropped a lot of good shit in there. but Oh, well, that's uh, how it goes. It's, it's so organic, and you can't like recreate it because it's like – no, already been like, once we'll yeah. do it next year when new shit happens we can talk about different stuff okay everybody thanks for tuning in i appreciate it thank you sir for being on the podcast thanks for having me i respect you i love what you're doing i I'm catch value bombs all the time i'm the schlepper <laughs> okay we're out of here thanks for tuning in everybody i truly appreciate you all i hope you enjoyed that episode with the college picker I have links down below that you need to start clicking. Click the Amazon link to go buy uh, my personal selected books that I've curated for you, stuff that I've read and vintage resource books. I have links to our websites, F as in Frank and Frankie Collective down below. Have fun shopping. And lastly, I have links to my mastermind mailing list. It's super important you get on that list. I'm going to be dropping my course in January or February and it's going to be an amazing experience for everyone involved a super positive group of people I'm putting together to help each other out and big up the community so check that out until next time thanks again see you soon